Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. Generation Z is considered the first digital natives of all time. They're leading the way in top digital innovation and moving society into the future. But they're also called the loneliest generation because their digital society finds them more isolated and depressed. We have the opportunity and privilege of guiding this generation into the love of Christ and changing them into the most loving generation of all time. How can we do that? Find out in this message. Good morning, Canosa City Church. How are you guys doing? Okay, I'm a youth pastor, so you need to give me a little bit more energy or else this is going to be really weird. How are you guys doing today? Let's go, let's go. And uh, if you are viewing online, just want to say welcome. I hope that you are enjoying yourself. And if you are viewing online right now, go ahead and drop a fire emoji. Or since that video just said that, you can drop a yeet or something along those vibey or trendy lines. Go ahead and do that. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Brandon McCowan, and I am the youth pastor here. Uh, I started here back in the beginning of May, and it has been, let me just say, a complete blast. Like, I am really loving it. If you are a um, parent who has some students who come to Rev, I just want to personally, from me to you, thank you for even trusting me to help separate them through this time, because the world right now is crazy, as many of you guys probably know. And um, Gen Z is navigating a lot right now. There's a lot of noise going on, and it is crazy. And so I just want to thank you for um, even trusting me to um, help separate them through this crazy time. Um, But to kind of kick off what I want to talk with you all about today, um, you see, I grew up in Indiana, the land of corn, back when Pastor Andy first introduced me to you all. Um, I made this joke, and I'm going to do this joke again. If you've been to Indiana before, you know exactly how boring it is. Um, As you (laughs) drive through any interstate through Indiana, all you see is corn, corn, and more corn. It is absolutely glorious. Um, But the church I went to over in Indiana at the youth group I grew up going to, um, we would go to a summer camp, a church camp. Who in here in this room or online, you can do a Emoji, raise your hand. Um, Who in here has been to a church camp before? Just raise your hand if you've been to one. Church camps are a straight-up experience. And if you haven't experienced it, I am sorry. I promise you, you are not, well, you are missing out. I almost said not missing out. You are missing out if you've never been to a church camp. Um, But the first ever church camp that I went to was at a place in Indiana called Lake Placid in Hartford City, Indiana. And before I even went to this camp, I'm just going to admit to you all, I was a little bit nervous. And it wasn't because I was, you know, going to a town that was, you know, a few hours away from my friends and family. Not because I was nervous about that, but more so just because of the name of the campground. The campground was called Lake Placid. If you don't know what Lake Placid is, there was an entire film series in the 90s called Lake Placid that was all about a man-eating crocodile within the waters. And essentially, not only did I feel as I was going to this camp that I needed to get ready to meet the Lord, you know, if you're going to a campground and to a church camp, you want to have experiences to bring you closer to God, yes. But I didn't feel like not only I needed to get ready to meet the Lord, I was mentally preparing myself to feel like I needed to get ready to meet the Lord. Um, I'm happy to say, though, that Meeting a huge, glorious, man-eating crocodile uh, wasn't an experience that I had at that camp. But there's a bunch of other experiences that I had that were awesome 
interesting. Um, if you've been to a church camp before, you know that they say pranking is not allowed, but does pranking still happen? It, it, still, it still happens no matter what you do. You can say, I'm going to make sure you never get a job for the rest of your future, then they're still going to prank for some reason. Um, my entire room got literally silly strained all over. It was not the best. But church camps are a lot of fun. Um, and at this church camp that I went for my first year, um, me being from Indiana, we did this um, kind of a slight switch on football, um, and we called it Hooser football. And this is just an outdoor football game, you know, bunch of sweaty teenagers out there playing sports, very smelly and great. Um, but with this, the, the rules were very similar to football. Um, instead of there being an end zone, you know, a touchdown and everything, uh, there was just like this big board, you know, there's a 20, a 30, and then instead of running into the end zone, you know, you got to throw and be like Kobe and try to get it through the holes. Um, and then you get your scores that way. And it was a very fun, you know, outdoor game. I enjoyed it. But thing was, at this game, the referees were supposed to have a megaphone so they could actually communicate with, obviously, there was a multitude of teenagers out in the field. They needed a megaphone so the teenagers could actually hear them. But my first time playing, the referees didn't quite have the megaphones. And so while they were up there, they were needed to essentially just straight up obliterate their vocal cords screaming at the top of their lungs. And the entire time, you know, obviously the teenagers used that as an excuse to just keep doing whatever they were doing. And they were just screaming the entire time. It wasn't until about halfway through this Hooser football game that I was at um, that somebody came with a megaphone. One of the other camp counselors, you know, the camp volunteers, he came through on this very big golf cart and he just started screaming through this megaphone. And the thing about this dude was I felt like, okay, the other people, they were screaming at all these students. You know, it makes sense because they didn't have a megaphone. They couldn't hear them. But this dude was screaming into the megaphone. It's like you have the megaphone for a reason, but you're completely destroying that purpose. Like he was, I'm not kidding you, he was going out into the field while the person was holding the football, doing whatever they're doing. He would be going up to their ear saying, you can't do it, and was just like screaming at the top of his lungs. This dude was obnoxious. And he even thought it would be hilarious was instead of the football halfway mid through the game, you know, he switched out the football with a dead squid and it was very slimy and disgusting, and people had to play football with that. It was very memorable, and I will not forever forget holding on to that squid. It's a feeling that you can't really just forget about. Um, but with that, this dude, as I said, with his glorious megaphone, was making a ton, ton of noise. Obnoxiously, honestly, but a lot of noise. And it doesn't take a lot, like, it, it takes a lot to annoy me. I'm just going to, I'm a very whatever type of person, um, but that annoyed me. But with all this noise he was making, I couldn't help but kind of reflect upon that memory as I was writing this message for you guys today. And I couldn't help but think, you know what? This generation of teenagers themselves are experiencing a lot of noise in life themselves. Teenagers in the room, you can just go ahead and say amen with me, because um, that is a fact. Facts, as I said in that video. Um, the current generation of students that I have the opportunity to help separate is called Generation Z. And with me being a youth pastor, 
I have a huge passion for Generation Z. At least you would hope I had a huge passion for them. Um, and with me being blessed to communicate in front of you guys today, uh, I want to use this opportunity to kind of talk a bit about what they're navigating and why I urge you all in this room to be praying for them. And I do not claim to be an expert whatsoever on Generation Z. Like, I'm, I'm technically even a part of Generation Z, if you think about it. I'm about to, in a little bit, I'm going to bring up dates about what, gener what includes Generation Z and even what it is. But I don't claim to be an expert. I don't want to give off some sort of prideful attitude about it. I'm just learning, I'm, I'm still learning like many of you guys are. Um, but I do have the opportunity to get a front row seat to seeing many of the things that they're experiencing. Um, so hopefully what I talk about today can bless you and is fruitful. Um, but I don't want you just to just assume in here that all of you know what Generation Z is, especially considering the fact that the generation conversation can always get, like, really, really, really confusing. There's always debates on when the year begins. You know, you might say, oh, I think this, you know, the millennials are from this period to this period. And that's the exact same, you know, debate that goes on with Generation Z. Um, the common overall consensus, though, is that generally... Generation Z is said to be anyone born between the years 1997 and 2012. And this might even be the first time you're ever hearing the terminology Generation Z. Um, and so, anybody born between those years? Congrats, you're Generation Z. Um, if you might have thought you were a millennial, but I'm sorry, according to the internet, you are Generation Z. Um, but that's Generation Z, and soon, within the next few years, I'm going to have the opportunity to kind of... Um, the generation following that, which is what many of the uh, kids and city kids right now are, um, is called Generation Alpha. And so within the next few years, I'm going to have to start focusing on them. But my primary focus is Generation Z. And as I said earlier, Generation Z is experiencing a lot of noise. The world that some of you came in here today and are saying, you know what? Man, this world is not anything like the world that I grew up in. Gen Z is experiencing in all of its broken humanity glory. Before I even tell you some of the stuff that Generation Z is navigating right now and why I feel that you should be praying for them, I want to make sure that I first establish some biblical groundwork for us about looking towards the future first. Because, you know, I could have my own opinions, right, about why we should look towards the future generations and why that's important. And I do have my own opinions on that, yes. But it doesn't matter what my opinion is. What matters is what the word of God says. And so before I even attempt to talk about the next generation, I just want to make sure you guys understand that there is biblical groundwork for the next generations. Um, God mentioned the idea of looking towards the next generations when he established his covenant with Abraham. Um, this is one of the first times the even word generations is found in the Bible. Um, in generation, uh, generation 17.7, Generation. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Nervous. Uh, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, it says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations. And for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. So that's one of the first verses where the, even the entire idea of looking towards, looking after, looking forward 
to the future generations is mentioned. Um, another scripture where the idea of generations is mentioned is found in Psalms chapter 78. And the entire, I was looking in my ESV Bible. Let's go ESV gain if you read the ESV. Um, as I was reading it, literally the passage header was tell the coming generations. And this whole entire verse that I'm about to show you is all about just spreading the word of God forward. Um, in Psalms 78 verse 4, it says, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the, gen telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. So there's that. We see another biblical mention of generations. Then, while speaking of an invasion of locusts in the book of Joel, God said to Joel in Joel chapter 1, tell your children about it, and let your children tell their children and their children to the next generation. And even with that, that verse itself kind of reminds me personally of just how before technology was as crazy as it is now, um, history itself was spread throughout either verbal tradition or written tradition. And so in this case, whether it's good or bad history, obviously an invasion of locusts would not be an ideal timeline. Um, but with that said, they were spreading it through word and written tradition. Um, so there's another idea of, or example of just even the word generations being brought forth in the Bible. The next one is from a classic Bible verse. And by classic, I mean classic. If you are online, you can go ahead and, um, you know, copy and paste this or just even quote it yourself. But who in here knows the, the Bible verse, John 3.16? Am I the only one in here who knows it? Give me some crowd participation. Am I the only one who knows it? Crowd right now, why don't you go ahead, if you haven't memorized, go ahead and say it out loud. What is John 3.16? Go. That was glorious. Awesome. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And one thing that I love about that verse, and you can keep it up there for a second. One thing that I love about that verse is that it specifically uses the word whoever. The word whoever, linguistically, and grammatically, it is referring to present generations, past generations, and future generations. And so even John 3.16, the Bible verse that even people who aren't even Christian have heard on a multitude of occasions, that verse brings forth the idea of looking towards future generations. In Ephesians chapter 3, when the Apostle Paul um, was writing down his prayer for spiritual strength, he mentions glorifying Christ throughout all generations. And fun fact about um, this passage, this is because, you know, I went to a Christian ministry college, and they always made you do these huge exegetical papers, like, and, and it's just basically breaking down different contexts within Scripture, and... I had to do a huge, like, exegetical paper on Ephesians chapter 3, and it was, like, a five-page paper. It was, like, a million words. And I'm just going to say, if you are graduated from college also, you know that it's a good feeling not have to do homework anymore. Um, but Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. 
To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And amen to that verse. Um, those are all the verses this morning that I'm going to mention in reference to generations. But I'm going to be real with you. I really didn't do the biblical concepts of generations justice whatsoever because I could have even gone into the biblical grounding for, you know, the relationship between parents to children, and that would have just amplified the biblical grounding for generations. Um, but I didn't want to give you guys an entire college class, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but what we see through these scriptures is that God cares about future generations. And if God cares about it, I would argue that we should also care about it. As I said earlier, I'm not an expert on Generation Z, but I do get a front row seat into seeing what they experience. And some of the things that Generation Z right now is experiencing is stuff that you and your own lives are experiencing. Um, these generational struggles that occur, it's not just honed in onto one culture specifically. It's like the things I'm about to mention about things that Generation Z is navigating, um, it doesn't just apply to Generation Z. It's not just, you know, history ignored all the other generations and this is the first time this is happening. No, I would say history speaks, speaks for itself and a lot of these things that they're going through, it isn't the first time, but they're experiencing it to a much different capacity, I would say. Um, but there are five things. Everybody say five. One more time, say five. Things the generation is navigating that I want to challenge you all to pray with me about. As you can see, this sermon is entitled, Why You Should Be Praying for Generation Z. And right off the bat, I'm just going to tell you why. It isn't that crazy deep. It's number one, you should just be praying for Generation Z because they're navigating a lot right now. A lot, a lot. And two, it's just because prayer changes things. If we were all to start intentionally praying for Generation Z on some of these topics, I think that we would see a lot of fruit come of it. And that's literally right there why you should be praying for Generation Z, because prayer changes things. Um, but the first reason that I feel like, and this is something that Generation Z has been navigating, the first reason I feel like you should be taking intentional time out of your days to pray for Generation Z is because the world right now is trying to tell them that we are living in a post-Christian era. There have been many, many different eras throughout history. There have been eras such as the classical, the post-classical, early modern, modern, middle ages, Victorian, Renaissance, and I can go on and on and on. There have been many different eras. But now, the world is trying to make this idea of a post-Christian era a reality. And just definitionally, the post-Christian era is said to be the situation in which Christianity is no longer the dominant civil religion of a society, but has gradually assumed values, cultures, and worldviews that are not necessarily Christian. Or that Christianity adopts the beliefs of a culture instead of what the Bible says. In short, it's basically just saying the Bible doesn't apply anymore. And this is something right now that Gen Z is heavily experiencing. They're being told in a much, much, much more aggressive manner than ever that God isn't the vibe or the trendy thing. And yes, I know that this isn't, you know, just something that's only been honed in on Generation Z. But personally, I can't help but realize how much this is also just connected to the fact that Gen Z, as we saw in that video, 
is very connected to their cellular devices. Who in here knows that the world is so much different now the fact that we have this with us near 24-7? Amen? And so, because how much Gen Z is honestly glued to their phone, they are instantly connected <clears throat> to an entire online world, a social world online, with a massive amount of different opinions. They go on TikTok or Instagram, and this idea of a post-Christian era is being screamed at their face. And, what, and, you're, and if you're in Gen Z right now, you're like, I haven't even heard this statement post-Christian era. What are you talking about? It's more so just the idea of being told that the Bible doesn't apply anymore, but this is the actual core definitional word of what it is, of what the world's trying to communicate. Um, but they're being told that it doesn't apply anymore, and that just isn't true. The thing is, is that if you're going to take this idea of the Bible not applying, I'm like, okay, it, well, let's go to bat. Let's try to address that. And it's like, wait a second. Just one quick look in the scriptures, and you see that it's something that transcends time. It's not just for, you know, Christianity worked for the Bible 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but not today. No, because when you just look at the words of the Bible, and you see that it still applies today. I mean, you can have your opinions, but that doesn't go against, I mean, look at the Bible. It's so clear about that. And even on this idea of the, the world heading into a post-Christian era, and this idea being screamed, I think the idea is completely flawed at its core because if you look on a global scale, instead of us just having a, an American-only mindset of, you know, ton, tunnel visiting in just on America, um, if we look globally, I wouldn't quite say that the world's heading into a post-Christian era. During my first week here, uh, I was blessed with the opportunity to Literally, first week on a staff ever, and Pastor Andy and the staff and I, we all went to California for a ministry conference, got In-N-Out Burger, best first week ever. Um, but during this time at the ministry conference, there was a video message from this megachurch pastor known as Rick Warren, and um, he, he was asked about this idea of the post-Christian era. And during this time, he, he was kind of taken back, and he was just like, wait a second, look at it globally, and then... This thing I'm about to say, I promise I didn't just hear from him. I then was like, wait a second. And I researched it quite a bit in my own time. But just look at the churches in Africa right now. The church is growing beyond belief. Look at different areas in Europe. The church is growing beyond belief. So while we might not be seeing, you know, the church growing to a certain extent that we would like to see here in America in certain ways, look globally, the church is growing. So if we're to take this idea of a post-Christian era and try to make it a reality, are you going to say, are you just saying this, just, this, it, the Bible just doesn't apply to America? Or because, like I said, look globally. And so the, the Bible, like, it is being spread to people who didn't have it beforehand. And one of the most beautiful things about that, too, is that even since 2020, there's, and obviously COVID was crazy, and the internet right now, if you guys didn't know, is being used to spread the word of God to so many places that didn't have it beforehand. And God is using the internet, which oftentimes has been used for some pretty messed up things, is now being used to spread the word of God in a manner that's never been done before, which is I think we should give God praise for, which is so good. Um, but the post-Christian era, globally, that's not occurring. But if Gen Z here in America and how it applies to us is heading in that direction, 
which I don't exactly think it fully is. But if they are heading in that direction, then church, let's fight against it. We should be praying that in this season of life, Gen Z, that they find God and is firm in their beliefs. The entire response to this idea of a post-Christian era is be firm in your beliefs. Because if you know what the Bible says, then all these things of, oh, sorry, man, (laughs) the Bible doesn't apply anymore. You can then just say verses from the Bible that completely throw that whole entire idea away. And so church, as this world is trying to tell them that the Bible doesn't apply anymore, will you be praying with me that Gen Z finds God? That's the first reason, the post-Christian era. The second reason that I feel that we should be taking intentional time to pray for Gen Z is because many of them just don't know what to believe as truth. They're growing up in a time where they're told not to believe anything that they read on the internet, and yet, majority of the time, the stuff that they learn, and even us, not even just Gen Z, learns comes from the internet. How does that even work? Um, But with that, we see that people are told also when it comes to truth that people are just to go along with what they feel. And this idea of going along with what you feel instead of going along with truth, it can be enticing to our human nature. Yes. If we can make our own truth, it can make life much more comfortable. We can just make our own decisions. And the world is making it cool also to edit the truth of the Bible to whatever narrative they want to make it more comfortable. So these are things right now that Gen Z is navigating, this idea of being just struggling to see what the tr- full truth is. There's even a hashtag on TikTok right now that if you were to go on TikTok right now, you would see it, it, it but I, I don't exactly recommend it because some of the stuff on there is not contextually accurate whatsoever that they talk about. Um, there's a hashtag that's called Progressive Christianity. And this is completely different from progressive in the political sense, but it is taking this idea of editing the Bible, editing the truth in the Bible, and making it fit whatever they want and whatever they feel. But the Bible, my friends, it doesn't change. And the Bible is where real truth comes from. It isn't about what we feel. Because if what the Bible says is true, then what it says about the world is also true. And so, my friends, as the world is screaming so many of these things and making Gen Z essentially question everything, will you be praying with me that Generation Z finds the truth? The third reason I feel that we should be taking intentional time to pray for Generation Z is because of how much this idea of deconstruction is being pushed. And honestly, the entire word deconstruction now has been like really like politicized and has so many things that could be within the layers of what the word could mean that it's honestly like I'm slightly even scared using that word because you guys are going to think I'm trying to say something else that I'm not. Um, But as a core, what deconstruction is, and this is something that Gen Z is navigating, is that essentially just doubting everything in your beliefs, that you throw everything on the table, you throw all the historical contexts of the Bible on the table, all the cultural concepts of the Bible, throw it all on the table and question every single little bit. That is, at its core, what deconstruction is. And even go on that progressive Christianity TikTok, you see that 
idea of Christianity being pushed, or deconstructing being pushed beyond belief. And honestly, if you go by whatever this definition is even supposed to mean, it really is just doubting your belief in God. I can honestly slightly relate to that. Back when I was 15, and I think my mom might be watching on the stream, and if so, I'm not sure if you knew during this time when I was 15, but um, I was going to church. I was, I was, I called myself a closeted atheist, and so nobody knew that I was doubting my entire beliefs in God or anything along those lines. I went to church. I rose my hands in worship. I would say amen, so good, pastor, in the, in, in the sermons, but I really didn't believe any of the things that were being said. I eventually reached a point, even though I had mentors and youth pastors in my life who would say, Brandon, no, the Bible isn't just, you know, the classic statement of, which it's true, the Bible isn't just rules. Nonetheless, I felt like the Bible was just rules. And so what happened to me was I deconstructed. Um, I didn't want to believe in Christianity. There was other things that I wanted to do that was considered a sin. And so since it's considered a sin and the Bible said I couldn't, then I was like, okay, you know what? I just don't want to believe in it at all anymore. So I threw it all on the table, wanted to stay completely away from Christianity, but I'm also somebody to where the truth matters. I can't just ignore whatever the truth of the world is. So I put science on the table. I looked into so many different theories. I looked in, I I don't have time to go into an entire apologetics class. I want you guys to fall asleep. But I went so darn into the science, and then eventually all the science did was point me to there being an omnipotent creator of the world. And then so after that, it was like, okay, so science literally points to a God. What religions are on the table? All right, here we go again. And then I looked at Buddhism for a while. I looked at Hinduism, and Hinduism is a polytheistic religion where they believe in a few, you know, that there can be multiple gods. That really didn't take that long for me to throw that away. Um, Then eventually what it left me with was religions of Abrahamic descent. Christianity is basically, we even saw the, the verse from Genesis earlier talking about Abraham and his descendants. But um, that just left me with Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And I'm going to say right now that I'm one of those people that if all the proof and the history and everything lined up with whatever the Holy Quran said, I would literally be a Muslim right now. And that's probably a crazy thing for you to hear me say. But it's because I am so tunnel visioned on what the truth is. But the truth didn't lead me towards that way. Everything ended up lining up to who God was and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And ever since then, I have been going full throttle beyond belief for God. Um, But so I technically deconstructed during a season of my life. And for me, in my context, ended up helping me. But... My paper didn't flip. I truly feel that if you put logically everything on the table in reference to Christianity, and Gen Z, I hope you hear this, you should be able to just end up reconstructing. But the world wants teenagers and everybody who's deconstructing to not reconstruct. They want them to stay in this blurry loop that goes on forever and ever and not get bring yourself to an end place. They want you to stay in that confusion. And because deconstructing causes you to literally throw everything on the table and question it, it can be pretty dangerous. 
we don't want to be closed-minded, but all it takes is one piece of something that is false or fake news to completely destroy a teenager's perspective on Christianity. So we should be praying that if Gen Z feels led to deconstruct, that they do it in a healthy way. So church, will you be praying with me that as Generation Z is having this idea thrown at their face beyond belief, that they do it in a healthy way? Will you, church? The fourth reason that I feel that we should be taking intentional time to pray for Generation Z is because of the mental health crisis that's going on. This is such a real issue, it's not even funny. And I'm going to be real. Personally, I am just so happy that this has finally became a focus in just today's cultural conversation. Because there became a t- there was originally a time to where you were just told to put that under covers. Don't let people see that. That, that is, that's just stuff that you're making up in your head. That is um, not a real issue. You're making this on your own. Um, but mental health is real. Anxiety is real. Depression is real. And if you're in here today and you're struggling with something along the lines of mental health, I just want you to know that, number one, you're not alone at all. And number two, God doesn't want you to stay in that, and he wants to help you. You don't have to be stuck in a whirlwind of depression and anxiety for the rest of your life. God wants to bring you refuge, and he can do that. Um, But mental health is real. And statistically, Generation Z right now is dealing with it in such a crazy manner. There are scary statistics. As I was researching this, I was going down the internet rabbit hole, and it was very saddening because beyond belief, suicide statistics are up, anxiety is up, depression is up, and I think that we should be praying for a move of God to happen in Generation Z's minds in this season of life. There are articles upon articles coining Generation Z as the loneliest generation. And it's crazy because they're instantly connected to the world around them. And I'm saying them when I'm part of Generation Z. But they're instantly connected, and yet they feel so lonely. And that, then that just ends up amplifying the problems mental health-wise. But mental health is real. So let's be praying that God moves in their minds and that they have a healthy space to navigate those problems. What would it look like, and just imagine this with me, what would it look like if a move of God happened, even here in Canosa, because I 100% believe it can happen. A move of God happened and it healed depression, suicide tendencies and anxiety in a multitude of teenagers. What would it look like? This would automatically inspire so many of them, not only to come to God, but to spread the name of Jesus to their friends and family and to say, hey, you know what? God was able to take me out of this. And then they can just spray the gospel so far to their friends. It, it would be such a powerful thing if that happened. And I don't know about you, but I am praying for that to occur because God is capable. And I also know that if gen- it, it would just be so powerful. And so that's what I'm praying for. But church, will you be praying for the mental health of Generation Z? The fifth and final reason that I feel that we should be taking intentional time to pray for Gen Z is because they need mentors. With all of this noise in the world, the lack of truth, deconstruction, mental health, 
Teenagers having solid and real mentors in their lives can help bear so much fruit. Just as you in your own life should have people that you can trust and have that no mask relationship with and just be 100% real, teenagers need that also. Very much so. And even just like generations, this idea of mentorship is literally found all throughout the Bible. Like, in the Bible, you have Moses to Joshua, Eliza to Elisa, David to Solomon, Paul to Timothy. Jesus even modeled this with his disciples. Um, so it's also a biblical concept for mentors. But as they're navigating all this noise, we can't expect them just to go to their peers to learn how to navigate this. Because just like their peers, like this is, the peers haven't had years and years of experience of this stuff. But guess what? Some of you, you have. And they need mentors really badly. And so as we close today, I hope that I've, as I've kind of expounded upon these things for generation, that Generation Z is navigating, that you've been inspired to pray about these things, but not only that, possibly act on it. Maybe you think you could be a great mentor to a teenager. And if that is you, um, I would love to have a conversation with you about possibly joining Revolution Youth. Because this generation of teenagers needs mentors and people who can speak into their lives. And just talk to me because I don't want you to feel like, that, man, I have nothing I can say to this next generation. You'd be surprised how much your experiences and what God's done in your testimony, how much it can minister to the next generation. So don't doubt yourself if you're sitting in here today. Um, I would love to have a conversation with you. We have Revolution Youth on Sunday nights. Talk to me. Um, but Gen Z is navigating a lot but they are not without hope whatsoever. God has so much in store for this generation. And they just need Jesus and direction. The main questions that I want to leave with you all today are these three things. Number one, have you undermined the experiences of Gen Z in your own life? So let's say, let's take this idea of mental health. Maybe you, you felt like it was just something, uh, problems that they created in their heads. Um, but it really is a real issue. And so have you in your own life in some shape or form undermined what Generation Z is experiencing right now? And then number two, how are you going to be praying for Generation Z moving forward? Are you going to take intentional time out of your days to pray for them? In your normal prayer routine, like you, you, each of you in here know how often you pray, how often you don't pray. Um, but when you pray, in your basic prayer routines, whatever that looks like for you, are you going to add prayers for Generation Z and for a move of God to happen? Just add it in there. If everybody in here started praying for Generation Z and taking time, like, prayer changes things, and I think we would see a lot happen, especially here in Canosa. So how are you going to be praying for Generation Z in your own life moving forward? And then number three, can you mentor someone who is in Gen Z? This, is, this whole point isn't just like a quick plug to try to get you to help out with Rev or anything. Um, but just think of your friends and family in your own life who is a part of Generation Z. How can you mentor them? What are the things that they're struggling with that you have experiences with? And don't just... 
try to level with them. Don't try to act like you're some hierarchy or something along those lines. Try to level with them. Be real. Be honest. Build a relationship. But can you mentor someone in your own life who is in Gen Z? Because they need some help. They really do. And that's basically um, all I have to say for you guys today. And so let's just pray really quick um, because Gen Z needs prayer. See, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we praise you with absolutely everything. And God, I thank you so much for how you're moving, not only in these, all the generations that are represented in this room, but how you're moving in Generation Z. Just because there's all of this noise and all these things going on does not mean that you're not moving. And I've seen it with my own eyes how you're moving, God. So I just want to praise you and thank you for how you're moving. But God, I also just want to thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. If you came in here today, even as I was talking about Generation Z, maybe you're even a member of Generation Z, and you've come to a realization that you know what? I'm the one who needs prayer. I'm the one who hasn't found God. Pastor Brandon, as you were talking about truth, maybe I haven't even accepted the truth in my own heart. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't want to leave this room without giving you an opportunity to do that. With nobody looking around, with all eyes closed, if you would like to commit your life to Jesus and commit and believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that it's not by your own works, but totally by his, you can just go ahead and raise your hand. And I'll be praying for you. Awesome. So Lord God, we believe in you. We believe that you died on the cross for our sins. We believe that you sent your son in the flesh for us to die. And we thank you, God, and we praise you for that. And we commit our lives to you. And God, once more, we pray for Generation Z as they continue to navigate all this noise. God, I pray for you to just have a supernatural hand over everything going on. And God, inspire those in the church this morning. God, I ask you that they won't doubt themselves and how they can possibly mentor Generation Z, but also that you'll just give them a yearning for the future generations. Not even just Generation Z, God, but Generation Alpha also. God, we love you and we praise you. In your amazing name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.